0: the stories we tell in those communities about our role in the fight against people and planet issues should be the catalyst should be the drivers of active participation in these communities for the common good and i think it might just be me being old and cynical but i don't see much common good much civic responsibility happening
1: marketing people you know i want to see you out of a job i don't want marketing departments to exist anymore quite frankly i want them to be converted into community engagement and community development uh, departments Um, because i think we need to go back to something that we had but we've given up dive into inspiring
2: conversations from community development to cutting-edge science business innovation and conservation where good intentions turn into real actions Sustainability meets regenerative life. It's not just a city, it's a movement. This is Net Good City. Thank you. Okay, episode one, episode Net Good City. Um, there's a reason why you're both here. and You probably realise this, but this podcast is going to be talking about people and planet, health and climate. And I have the majority of my conversations about people and planet with you two. If I'm really honest, I have my best conversations about people and planet with you guys. And that's why I want to talk to you today because you don't hold back, especially Rob. And I I don't want you to hold back today, Rob. And I want you to go for it. But this... this 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 podcast is about being open and honest and i think for the listeners i think we need to do some introductions because they probably don't know who the hell we are um tim i'll start with you just just tell me a, a, a little bit about yourself snapshot of me is i'm
0: founded in the creative services agency um and service world like yourself but today i'm much more facilitator and teacher of that sort of stuff I like to say I use creativity as a catalyst for positive change which opens up a bunch of opportunities and potential for me I've got a few roles at uh, in exec education at University of Leicester and Nottingham and I'm a climate reality leader and a bit of a, a trail run geek and guide but that's about me in a nutshell I think
2: I, I like the fact that we have similar pathways like we come from designer marketing backgrounds and we've kind of just fumbling along this sustainability um, climate journey together but separately and it's really interesting and, it, and, uh, and you know I noticed something on LinkedIn that you were doing which is similar to me and I've liked that that every time we kind of Join together we're at a different point in our journey but I'm glad that you also mentioned about what you do outside of work because I think that's that's really important. Rob tell me a little bit about yourself
1: um, So I can't, I always describe what I do as doing stuff around community media <laughs> which doesn't really mean very much but it, I suppose the adage uh, it's a well used adage that community media is 10% media and 90% community development uh, so you're using Media, and it's a big important question that we kind of never ask in certainly you know the UK is what's the social purpose of our media? How do we meet social needs? Uh, what's the social value of what we do? And so much of it is based around convenience media, um, and you know, industrialized media, so corporate, commercial media, whatever it is, that all serves a really wonderful purpose. But this is more about. Stuff that we can do for ourselves, DIY, you know, using the hackneyed phrases grassroots all that kind of stuff of just people making media for themselves and using whatever tools and equipments they've got and you know there's a really important principle to it which is to deprofessionalize it so that anybody can get involved and you know over the 20-30 years that i've been doing this stuff the, the, the the media tools that we've got have changed you know massively and the platform so why wait for somebody else to represent you why wait for the bbc to turn up in your neighborhood and do a positive program about you and your you know your your friends and your families and your community do it yourself now you know we've got the tools so
2: and that's so important for this conversation today because community media some people call it co-production diy grassroots channel creation content creation they all kind of bleed into each other and we really want to focus this conversation about people and planet, health and climate, whichever angle you want to come at, and we 're all scratching our heads to understand why how and why or how and where is the best way that we should be having conversations about climate about health and well being about political ecological social cultural issues because I'm sure we'll go on this in a bit. you know I, I feel personally that local government sets us down. I feel like government's letting us down. I feel like media's letting us down and there's a lot of conversations to be had here about the th- the important things that are going on in the planet, which we we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in a bit. so to the audience I, i'm johnny I'm the strategy director at seed. Um, my main role right now is I work within the intersection of academia. And business, but ultimately to talk about the important things, to use creativity again, like Tim, to tackle and challenge the important things that are going on in the planet, and looking at new ways to to do insight, to engage with stakeholders, and to do storytelling. So, a little bit about Net Good City. Net Good City started in April of this year. Wow, it feels like it was a lot longer long ago. It started its embryonic state about Christmas of last year. And it started out of frustration, pure frustration because I was applying for money and grants. I was trying to do some work with local city council, which is Leicester city council, to try and move the needle for better storytelling, for better communications around climate change and sustainability. I felt personally, and I still feel now that we're not having the right conversations, we're not building awareness, we're not getting people to take positive action because we're just not delivering the message in the right way. Because if you spend time, if you're listening to this this show or watching this and you spend a lot of time in sustainability, you'll probably feel that that things may be moving in the right direction. And if you go to a lot of sustainability events or around people that are in sustainability and talking about sustainability and doing stuff about it, I feel that they can become echo chambers. But if you walk outside of your front door and talk to anyone that's not involved in sustainability, they still don't know what it is. They still don't know how it's going to affect them now and in the future. And they still don't know what they should be doing in their lives to make change. And that's why NetGood City started. Um, It was there to try and help tell better stories about climate. And now, as we are in... Um, approaching November 2023 we're now looking at doing it in new ways one of them is a podcast we're looking at doing videos uh, and we just want to like tell a better story about climate change so this is where we're at so Tim I'm going to kind of come over to you now I'm going to kind of pose a question but what are your thoughts about like the current landscape in climate communications in your world? That's a good question. I mean,
0: that whole situation, that whole landscape is very multifaceted. It's a bit 50p shaped, right? There's a lot of edges and angles from the climate science report, data, proof, that sort of angle that comes into it. But then there's the The human angle of climate justice of what's happening to the people on the front line, which I live in a leafy green southern Derbyshire, which is not the front line of climate change. But there are there are people on the front line and understanding their stories and what our role in those stories are for people like us who don't live on the front line, who don't experience these things face to face or out of our front doors and then there's the the cons within a thing i'm interested in is civic responsibility so within let's say towns and cities locations or communities or organizations whatever your definition of community is right that sense of civic responsibility is where the biggest hole or gap in comms is around climate change because the stories we tell in those communities about our role in the fight against people and planet issues um should be the catalyst should be the drivers of active participation in these communities for the common good. And I think it might just be me being old and cynical, but I don't see much common good, much civic responsibility happening. And I think as you alluded to before, there's a big portion to blame from the politicians, no matter which color you support, In the political system currently, they're not showing up. They're not saying the right message. The media do not have the right messages to amplify. Like there was, even if you look at like weather channels or or the the weather forecast at the end of the day, when these things are happening, they don't mention climate. Like climate's not a word they mention. And these, these simple little things, right, it's going, oh, the fires are really bad. Or the floods are really bad, but there's no correlation. And these are opportunities we have to bring the, the words, the keywords in climate change, environment, ecosystem, into the conversation, right? It's the people with voices or like marketers who amplify other people's voices, give other people voices, it's our responsibility to give them the language which can be included in these conversations, in these opportunities to tell a story that already happen. And I think why it's exciting about a good city, right? The, the the stories we tell can change the world. It's It's been a story and communication has been center of every change, right? It, it makes and breaks worldviews. It drives intention and nothing good has happened in this world without intention. And for me it all, like, communication is a vehicle that comes for that that took ages sorry for waffling on no that was perfect
2: I wanted you to keep going (laughs) oh I could
0: I could keep going but um, it's that gap right I think to say we know what persuasion and we know what effective communication is since 330 BC hundreds of years right we've known what it is why are we so rubbish at it still the majority of people don't understand what a privilege it is to have a voice and be able to tell a story. And I think we should use those as tools, right? They're tools, right? They're not, we're not in Jackanory time. We're not telling a once upon a time fairy tale about this stuff, right? It's an opportunity. It needs intentional, strategic, purposeful, truth, hard-hitting, honest, hopeful communication
2: i love i love the honest and truth and you talked about civic responsibility there and also the common good and i, I think if you keep boiling down civic responsibility the common good we do get back to individuals i know we can, we're going to bounce between community and individuals but you know it has to really come down to to people at the end of the day
0: yeah 100 percent. like you can't i've worked a lot in organizational change really so a lot of my focus is around sustainability in business because as communities organizations have a big a big sway in this sort of thing if you get a large organization to reduce their carbon footprint by five percent that's more than a family can do in their life like it's a big dent right but when you're looking at any community or organization you can't change them as a whole you've got to change each individual within it and some of those individuals are more open to change or more used to it like if you bring up you know the knowledge of like the Kubler-Ross change curve people are at different stages of of that graphic some people are more okay with it some people are just plain scared some people are shouting about it's not being very practical you know and that's just fear showing up as practicality in their worlds but they you know you've got to change each individual person right and you have there's not one story that will do that there's not one speech designed to educate or inform that will do that like you need a toolbox right you need to have the tools of empathy and understanding. So you, you, you use that first to be able to select the right tool to move them forward on their journey. Whatever stage they're at, you just want momentum, right? You just want progress. We need people to start doing stuff, even if it's a little bit.
2: Love it. Thank you. Okay. Nice one, bro. Um, Rob, you know, the current situation, we'll, 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 we'll talk about, climate communications while we're on that subject and what are your thoughts in terms of what we're doing badly here what what should we be doing
1: um well i think i think that's, tim summed it up <laughs> by and large uh, um i think the 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 challenge is the process is, is wrong and, and we're using the wrong set of tools um and we're not um uh, We're not looking at things from the point of view of an empirical basis. What we're doing is we're applying a a crude methodology which was suited to a different purpose. So what we're doing, you know, kind of for communications people, you know, marketing people is my, you know, I want to see you out of a job. I don't want marketing departments to exist anymore, quite frankly. I want them to be converted into community engagement and community development uh, departments um, because I think we need to go back to something that we had but we've given up because the the kind of branding, marketing, uh, automated approach to this has just become like a routine and we're applying a tool which was developed in the 1950s and 60s, you know, American commercialism, which isn't suited for social responsibility and environmental responsibility. So it, you have to attach something onto it for social responsibility, which is actually, you know, you, you. I mean, the, the best analogy to you know that comes to mind is, you know, your personal mode of transport and you're glued to using the car and the car is the fundamentally you know uh you know part of the problem and but you keep using your car because you don't have any other alternatives and it's about providing that space for other alternatives but also you know the kind of it, it, it's the group thing so i often get you know kind of uh you know pigeonholed a bit as being quite belligerent but i'm just asking questions and i, I you know i think we have to have those i mean you you described it, I think, maybe earlier to, to us, was, you know, creating a safe space for conversation. And the phrase I have learned to use now is using a, creating a brave space where you can have those difficult conversations. But what happens is we, people have got their backs to the wall because we've got an antagonistic form of government. government. We've got an antagonistic form of media, which is all about blaming other people. And when you look at the proportion, there is nothing we're going to do in the UK that's going to change uh, uh, the, the carbon output of the planet until China changes, because that is just exponentially huge compared to our output. And that realism, you know, often isn't you know, the, the, the do-gooderism that's often projected, and the you know the, the kind of uh, you, you there's, there's got to be most people I think are realistic. And what most people are looking for is something that's tangible. There's a sense of expectation projected onto people, uh, rather than asking what are people capable of dealing with. You know, we don't we, we we're looking we're not looking at it from a social need point of view. We're looking at it from uh, you know we've got a set of objectives that we want to achieve. How are we going to push people through towards nudge? I'm massively against behaviorism and all the kind of nudge theory and stuff like that because it doesn't come from people themselves. And the, the question I kind of you know think about a lot is how do we use our media to inspire people? And there's there's a, 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 a nice way of thinking about this, framing this in terms of something that Nell Noddings talks about, which is the difference between caring about something and caring for something. So we say we care about the environment. Well, how do you care about the environment? Well, we watch David Attenborough programmes and see the pictures of the photography of the whales and the penguins and stuff like that. And then you ask somebody, well, how do you care for the environment? And so, well, I've got a cat. And so, okay, well, that's our starting point for our conversation. And too much of it is about solving global problems and not giving people the feeling that they're part of something which makes a big difference, something which actually drives change and that they can tangibly see and measure change. And I think a lot of communications becomes so wrapped up in impressing other communications managers and other producers, you know, communications producers, video producers, film producers, that kind of stuff, that what you're actually not doing is talking directly to people and asking, well, what do they need? And a lot of what people need is very simple, often very basic. You know the language that we use the, the the reference points that we articulate the you know the, the, the there is a massive divide in commu- you know uh, communications about uh, environmental change and climate change and things, which is class based, and where are the working working class voices um, and the working class sensibilities in that debate so there's a load of questions to ask and thinking about how we can maybe nudge that you know nudge that forward
2: yeah. Let's, um, let's start boiling this down a little bit because it, it's easy for this conversation to to go bigger and bigger and wider and wider and that'll probably be my fault and look at the bigger global picture and then it, it, it become overwhelming and then and that, and that, this is the problem this is this problem of overwhelm isn't it because it's big, it's hairy, it's complicated, it covers political, social environmental cultural boundaries and it just it's this huge big network of conversations and it and it and it, it can it can spiral out but let's let's boil it down to problem solution i, I always kind of pivot back to uh, covid because covid was a, a global virus we had and we needed to have, have a solution and the solution was a vaccine, it was lock- lockdowns, um, it was distancing and, and lots of health um, kind of uh, factors that stopped it and eventually kind of got it to a manageable state. Is there anything that we can learn from COVID to the climate? So, if we were to boil this down to problem and solution, the problem is relatively simple. We are emitting greenhouse gases into the environment that's warming up our planet and causing huge ecological problems, i.e. deforestation, biodiversity, weather formations, storms, floods, droughts, etc, etc. And it's been primarily done through the burning of fossil fuels it's rob it was it was interesting that you mentioned china there That's obviously one of the biggest the sorry the biggest emitter of of greenhouse gases but also china is one of leading the way for clean technology as well so they're kind of it's a double-edged sword there that they're kind of doing bad and but they're also trying to kind of move the needle for, for good as well so we know what the problem is are we talking about this problem in a, in a clear and transparent way, and if we're going to boil that problem down even further, let's let's just get this, let's get the doom and gloom out now because it you know we've got to we've got to talk about the big bad stuff because this is what we're not doing we're not talking about bad stuff we know that there's is it uh, forgive me for the scientists that are listening to this seven major tipping points we think that some of them are already happening now. Um, So if we're looking at these major tipping points, we know that if we go past these tipping points, whatever we're seeing now, we're going to see much, much worse ecological and social things happening. Are we having the right conversations about that? And what does the future look like? Tim, I'm going to kind of swing this over to you. There's
0: a short answer, which is no, we're not. But I think there's a lack of clarity about what, are, what is the right message, right? There, there's such a complicated challenge, which is why like COVID, I was gonna say COVID was great, wasn't great, didn't mean that, but great because it was a simple challenge. Right, there was this disease, everybody could get it, it was bad. This is the answer. Dead easy, technically, on the face of it. But this is very multifaceted, it's complicated, it affects all aspects of our society and economy differently. And context is is king for generating any kind of intention and intention is the stuff that that moves the world forward but like the less the things we need to do is to reduce right to reduce our consumption of energy because if we had a magic wand and I love magic wand thinking and it's great to to like help us think like well we'll just swap to solar and wind but we can't just swap to solar and wind because there's not enough stuff in the ground to make enough solar and wind for us to carry on we have to reduce and then swap that and people don't want reduction they don't want they don't want to give stuff up to have this better world like just generally people definitely not the people in power I would say, or the people with influence, but it's easy for little families like my unit to do less, right? To have less impact. It's easy, like because there's two people to make a decision. It's not super complicated, but I think there's people aren't talking about what the what the clarity, what the lockdown, what the vaccine answers are because. They're so complicated. I don't think there's a right answer, right? It, the answer is, yes, maybe get an electric car, but electric cars are the future of the car industry, not the not a climate solution. Like, it's a half measure, but we should definitely do it anyway. Yes, offset, and offsets are all right. They're like the lowest form of flattery, but we should definitely do them. Like... <coughs> the right answer to the question of what can we do about it is is both all everything anything something do you know which is it's hard to communicate that clearly right and it comes from a stage of empathy and understanding of what makes that change effective and 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 the thing that again bringing up the the covid Reference, right? The thing that we had at that time that I saw through my viewpoint of the world at that time was we had a sense of place, right? We were stuck within, I can't remember the actual mileage, let's say two miles of a home, right? So that in theory was the boundaries of our community, the people we're connected to. We were more connected to them then than ever, right? We had clarity of message and understanding of the problem even though people could choose to agree or not agree with that which is fine and there was elements of the old school civic responsibility that was you know when I spoke to my old dad and granddad and people of different generations they had civic responsibility they helped their neighbors out they did good stuff because it was good stuff for the community whether it benefit them right and maybe the answer is how do we create that for this challenge within communities? Do you know what I mean? Like, because there's not one big answer like vaccine, you know, like the ozone layer. If you remember, anybody's old enough to remember the ozone layer issue, but like we fixed that pretty pretty well. It was kind of easy. Oh, yeah, these CFC things, let's not do that. And they stopped. Even China stopped them, I think, possibly. Don't fact check it. Yeah, and and Rob's going Rob
2: hear me saying this, but it was actually Margaret Thatcher that actually got on top of that quite well.
0: She got some stuff done. But short. we've still
1: got a hole in the ozone layer. It's, it's, it's a lot smaller than it was. It kind of fixed. Yeah,
2: it's, sure. not, it's not getting any bigger.
1: But it's still there. <clears throat> so I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the issue I think is something you said earlier, Tim, was about civic engagement. And you know the the role of citizenship and the the way that we tend to engage um its it's this thing about accountability and responsibility and, and and seeing a popular most of the time most people would argue, well, we don't want to be involved in politics, See, I don't blame the politicians I blame the people because <laughs> and that's that's an unfashionable view So, i mean I'm not you know to to kind of say well um." You know, why are people intransigent? Why are people not more active about things? Well, they're they're dealing with things as they can in the circumstances that they've got, given the set of expectations and the sense of belief. And in the UK, I think, is a very specific place. I think we have to point out and and have to recognise that the UK is in a very different environment because of some of the political, social, economic uh issues that have shaped our our politics over the last decade more and it's we're in this very peculiar position where i think you know that that refrain that everybody is on everybody's lips nothing seems to work you know i can't get anything done everything everything seems to stop you can't get appointments you can't you know And and we're in danger i think i mean surprisingly you know this is me saying this we're in danger of of talking ourselves out of some of these solutions but at the same time i think the the problem is uh fundamentally that we we kind of rely on other people to sort the problem out for us and then moaning about those efforts those all and everything efforts that we've got to make seems to fit with the british temperament so much that we don't have the aspiration to to challenge to question to lead it's it becomes. I mean, the ULES, uh, you know, the, the the London Low Emission Zone debate and discussion was was very instructive, and the communications. You know, a few a couple of years ago in Leicester, we had the uh, there was a, a, a proposal for a work based parking levy, uh, which is entirely sensible, proportionate, but it kind of got lost in you know the 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 the, the political f- fighting that shapes any kind of. Uh, public authority and, and city council but the voices that weren't in the room were children were older people were you know it's, it's, so there's the, it were dominated by 30% of the population who are unbelievably invested symbolically in their cars and everybody else has to dance around them <laughs> i don't drive i've never learned to drive i'm not interested in learning to drive i'm um, you know I, I like but but the world has changed around me so my decision that i made 30 years ago is now fairly you know it's limited my life expectations but it's like a still a sensible decision you know people are now complaining in you know various newspapers and on twitter and everywhere that um you know the the fifteen minute cities and government ministers m- inventing these uh, these sham um, uh, causes of the of of the state. The government shouldn't control when you go to the shops. And it's like this is just childish. And I think a lot of the time I get I get to the point where most of my conversations finish with the the kind of summation that I just think most people are idiots. Mm-hmm. And that the only way to explain why we're being, it's not, you know, it's its not—it's—it's it's like a kind of pause because I'm trying to find out what is that motivation? What is that sense of need that will open this up to something where we feel that we can and are recognize you know, what's the incentive for this? And there's so many other factors that this is part of a multi-layered approach. So if you only address climate issues or environmental issues, you kind of alienate 95% of the people because only 5% are really interested in that. I'll change the battery. Uh, You know, the, uh, the rest is kind of, it's connected and it's finding those interlinks and that flexibility of communication, those flexibility of ideas to get, and people have to. One of the phrases that you used was complexity. Well, we have to educate, you know, there, there, there's a really good, I don't know if you've heard of the, uh, the, the social process building, which is a Scandinavian and German concept. And the Finnish, for example, in the 1930s, poorest country in, in Europe, Northern Europe, no natural assets, you no, know, at the time probably still got no, not many, many natural assets, but what they decided to do was invest in the people. Now they've got the highest uh, you know, literacy and numeracy rates in the world. Now they've got the highest life satisfaction rates. They've got some of the best health outcome rates because they invested in people. And the expectation is, is that the world is going to get more complex and you don't shy away from that. And people need to have the educational skills and resources and the expectation from your politics that you're not just looking for the the, the the quick fix what you're looking for is multi-generational so we're never having the conversation and you know we've had um, you know, I hope I, I actually think this has now become a, a a non-political point but we've had a conservative government in place whose mantra in the past is don't you know David Cameron said this don't leave debt to your kids but we're piling more and more on the expectations of future generations, rather than dealing with it now, so that kind of you know, kind of Burkean conservative ethos has to be taken up again to say, ask the question: What is the impact on what you're doing now with future generations? But if people can't imagine that, um, and they can't project into that future. Um, because they don't see the point then we've just become a kind of narcissistic cynical society so I think it's getting over that narcissism that cynicism is the ch- is the real challenge.
2: Tim pass that back to you mate?
1: Yeah
0: so that was really interesting what Rob was saying uh, and there's a couple of images came to mind and models came to mind because that's the way my brain works I love a, a, a framework for a thing and One of them was ecology and one of them is ripple effects, right? And these are ideas that are effective in educating and getting people to understand the situation and their role within the situation more specifically. So if we look at ecology of like the universe, for example, as a, a whistle-stop tour, right? We all orbit the sun, the sun gives us light and energy, and there's loads of little planets that inhabit this thing, right? I love that, Mother, and I think it represents a lot of kind of community angle. I think there's a thing at the centre which is the purpose, the role that government, I don't care what it is really, there's always something at the, the centre whose job it is to give light and energy to whatever the tunnel really is. But the planets, I think, form kind of pocket cultures, right? And I think within our country, like it, like within this country, yes, we're British, yes, there's a, a class system. But even more, even more than that, I think we exist in pocket cultures, little pocket cultures that may be geographic related, maybe belief related, maybe, Um religion related. I've done some work at the, the culture strategy in the city of Derby and city of Derby's got 143 different nationalities in 250,000 people city. Like the pocket cultures within there are important and how mapping that having, I don't know whose responsibility it is whether it's a government, whether it's a media, whether it's a a local government thing of going this, you know, we want to, it's all right having pocket cultures like these are good things how can we what do you need to be the most effective right and getting them to understand and see what ripple effects their pocket culture creates in the wider system like and the creation of positive ripple effects like getting people motivated and and rob used the word inspire which i love which which in the in the Greek or Latin version, is to breathe life into. Like, you, like the energy feels nice of that, right? And how can we get people to want and to believe and have the value and the behaviors of creating positive ripple effects and understanding everything we do has an impact. So the stuff we do should have a positive ripple effect, right? And ju- just a, a deeper level of, Understanding that our actions that we take cause ripple effects that affect, you know, this goes into educate. I think it's everybody's like in education, in business, in work, in government, like everybody creates a ripple effects. We walk around dropping ripples or whatever, (laughs) like and as part of this ecosystem. But it's a simple map for me, right? Of going, okay, it's all right that you're in this pocket culture, this little community of twenty people. Like, who believe what you believe. You may be related to them, may not. It may be work-related, maybe a football team. doesn't really matter, right? But there should be a a stuff in between, like the liminal beliefs that everybody should understand what pocket cultures they interact with and what ripple effects they cause. Like, whether they're good or bad, because, you know, you can... uh, if you're not aware that you're creating bad ripple effects or, or negative impact then you can't change them things but I think we have to go back to science and simplicity of understanding ecology like the, the way the inhabitants of an ecosystem interexist and play nicely together
2: mm, I love that Rob this I'm going to pass on the probably the most important question I think this podcast is going to hold and that is What do you want to change?
1: Uh, Actually, I think it comes back to something that I was kind of thinking about tim's talking about is i want to change the frame of reference that we live in a world which is about transactionalism systems very mechanically we imagine it like a computer communications like an electronic circuit you know it's all that's the dominant metaphor and we have these meta narratives that shape uh, how we think and i think one of the things to go back to or to rethink this through on the basis of is like the idea of the a solar system, or an electromagnetic field, or an ecology system, which is dynamic, which isn't closed. It's not a closed loop, uh, but it's it's part of a bigger system. You know, it's in, it's nested in other systems and or other, interconnected. But, right. Yeah, yeah, and it, and and, it, and and it's dependent on changes in one part or the other. So from a symbolic point of view, one of the things that we 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 are in in modern Western society. You know, we have uh, logos, you know, logic, reason, rationality, information, and we saw that in the pandemic, that it was about information exchange, and about just give people the information. Um, And that works to a point, and it's very effective. um, And that's the basis of modern communication sciences. However, it doesn't. You then spend a lot of time building up the eros component, the emotional component of why you should care about this, and that's something. But there's a part that's missing, which is really, and I think we proved this through our, our lived experience here in Leicester, was that the mythos is missing, and that the the, uh, the the substantiation. So, you know, my 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 partner is Buddhist, so there's a belief uh, in. Kind of a fatalism, you know, and and if, you, if it's your time, it's your time. So you know the the, the symbolic framework within which I was, I was I was talking to a friend yesterday, uh, and uh, his wife's tie and a family member had uh, a, a kidney disease and didn't take the medication. She was in the hospital but wasn't taking the medication and died because there's a different symbolic framework that you have to address people on. And I think a lot of the time we have a very narrow set of expectations. And there's a, there's a thing I read about Joseph Campbell um, who talks about the mythogenetic. And I get, I push back against, there's an awful lot of people who talk about, uh, use the phrases decolonization, de-westernization. And I think you've got to be very, very careful stepping into that territory because what are we talking about? Are we talking about if you want to de-Westernise the the, the 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 way we communicate in in here, it's you've got to. we talking about the Celtic tradition. Are we talking about the Nordic tradition? Are we talking about the Germanic tradition? Are we talking about the? The uh, you know the Roman the Greek you know what what tradition what belief system what symbolic system are you talking about because there are all these centres around the world that's what uh, uh, Campbell was talking about you know that's what we and these go really deep roots and if we're not talking to people and it doesn't resonate with people on that symbolic level you can give them, uh, you can give people as much information as you like it won't make any difference. There's got to be a sense of uh, deeper resonance there. But
0: there's a thing that that reminds me of um, and again linked into the comm side of it is the the torchbearer's calling by Nancy Duarte which is a mechanism or a journey that that's kind of Based on archetypal things, definitely hero's journey-esque versions as you get into it. But um, it's a way of igniting change in a cultural community. And she she says there's four ingredients that you need to do that. And there's speeches, which are short messages or sentences designed to educate and inform. There are stories, which are the narratives that package those ideas to make them meaningful they symbols, which are the visual and audio thing, audio signals that make them memorable, recognizable when this thing is happening. And ceremonies, which are actions and behaviors, right? And they are the ingredients of communication as a catalyst for positive change, right? To get people to understand that you can't have one or the other, right? They, they have to be, they're all part of the same recipe to to get this understanding with people. Um, yeah, and it's, it's just, there's so many models and frameworks. Like, we th- this is not new ideas. Like, Joseph Campbell was, I can't remember, the 20s, 30s? 70s, 70s 60s, like 70s, yeah. Um, like, so it's, uh, you know, 50 years we've known this sort of stuff. And and Aristotle was... Oh, we've known it thousands 300, of years, Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah, yeah. You know. Like, but we've you know added so much layers of nonsense on top like the
1: yeah i i mean i think it, it, you know it's it's we need to open up the 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 process and and the thing for me about participation and engagement is that it it's you know if it's not uh, to use the phrase co-produced if it's not um participative why you're doing it because you know i think i think you've got to trust people to come up with a solution so uh people aren't stupid but people if they're treated in a way that they you know comes across then it's easy to see people in that way uh but actually when you you know you but it takes time one thing i wrote down earlier which was which is one of the things i you know kind of always say about community media is that it travels at the speed of trust And if there is no trust, so a lot of this process is about trust building. Um, And so if, if we don't trust our media because we're being manipulated or we feel we're being manipulated, why is that? Because so much of it is done remotely from our lives. You know, we're seeing the decimation of local media, being involved and participating, being controlled by algorithms that are created in China or California or wherever, you know, and we're not in control of that. So we need to kind of rethink through the stuff that we've got control over, how we ensure it's accountable and trusted and and in which way it connects with us on that you know those deeper levels
0: and I think you know, like you were saying about mythos and eros, like those ingredients are good that like one of the catalysts out out of that school of thinking is Kairos the opportune moment to act like the right time to do something if we can facilitate that within a community. Like, and then be able to amplify that story through community community, more media and word of mouth and, you know, people being proud of the work they're doing in the community. I mean, look at this stuff that we're doing. It will spread. Like, it will ripple effect out. Like, the next village, the next town to you will want part of that, you know, part of that movement, part of that feeling, part of that energy that we're doing. There's just so much good, good stuff to... I think participation is a beautiful word as well that we haven't got time to unpack today but you know the what's this the liminal stuff the glue that connects all these things because all of these challenges and communities and systems that we we've talked about interacting and needing to change today there'll be commonalities there's glue or threads that go golden threads that tie them all together right and maybe they're the vehicles that we can use to like kickstart something
2: hmm. no Chaps this has been amazing I thought I knew it would be I could talk to you both for hours I'm sure you could keep going for hours I'm going to start looking at sort of wrapping this up now and I think you've covered so much of this um, Rob I'm going to bring this back to you I Netgood City it is I don't know what it is I know that it. it's a force for good I know that it want, it's there as a tool to talk to everyone um at the very beginning of this conversation we talked about climate messaging and and it's a shame that we've not really even gone on to people and social structures and i'm sure we'll, we'll we'll do this again we 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 come from a point where now where climate conversations are either super corporate or they're echo chambers, or they're maybe considered hippie or tree huggery. Um, there isn't a conversation about climate that appeals to everyone, and I and I really hope that Net Good City can plug in some of these gaps. What should we be doing? What, what's what, where should we be taking Net Good City next, and what kind of media, community media, should we be be creating?
1: Uh, I've absolutely no idea, but I'm here for the journey. We've 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 lit the torch. I think that's the the, the best way to say because the, you know the 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 journey. We don't know, and what we think will work is probably not going to work. And. You know what we think we need to put resources into is not going to be what we need to put resources into. The big money that we put in, you know, we need to anticipate asymmetric responses. You know, the big money we spend won't make much difference. The little small things that we we do, they'll, they might have a huge difference. And we just need to step back and kind of uh, allow things. This needs this needs a commitment over time. You know, this is this is I think the one thing I would say is is this is not a two or three year policy development project this is multi-generational and we've got to start thinking in those terms and we're at the start of a journey you know it took us a 200 years to get here it's going to take us another 150 years to get out of this. It's going to take three or four generations to get out of this. And I think we should be honest that that is the scale, the, the scale of the problem. And there's a lot of things we'll need to mitigate in the meantime. There's a lot of things that we've got to hand that we can change and that we can be empowered to change now. You know, self-destructive activity. You know, we, there's things that we can just stop doing collectively. Um, but let's be under no illusion that this is a, a process that's, that's going to take a long time nice one thank you
2: uh tim right what's next where should we go after from here i'm just going to
0: reiterate
2: that really i think
0: in order to ignite change you need a torchbearer thanks nancy duarte for that wisdom but and part of the role of being a torchbearer is being comfortable with not knowing what the right answer is and doing it anyway, doing the work, right? We, we know from creative processes that we've done for years in our work, like right, the foundations of effectiveness is discovery. I think we're in the period of discovery and understanding, yes, of NetGod City and the ripple effects and impact that could have. And that's all right. That's the work that needs to be done. That, that There will be multiple potentialities where we can be super impactful. Some will take a bunch of money. Some will take a bunch of time. Some will be super simple conversation and, and listening and empathy led conversations with a small group of people who care. Like, I just think it's exciting to be part of a project where this is the work because the space to do this good work
2: doesn't exist enough that is the most perfect way to end the show thank you chaps as always i'll just put your details in show notes comments you know um video bios that kind of stuff um i just want to say thank you thank you for kicking off i feel like this is the beginning we're going to do this a lot more and thank you for being part of this journey with me and with everyone that's involved in NetGood good city. And um, yeah, I can't wait to make more content, but thank you legends. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the net good city podcast. We hope you've been inspired to make a positive impact in your own life. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for more net good stories. Please share this podcast with your friends and with your family if you know a change maker who deserves to be featured then get in touch till next time be good